What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Tomatolito Show, and let's dive right in. What an amazing fight we had this past Saturday night. This year, thus far, seems like we've been having some amazing, amazing fights in both the boxing ring and in the octagon as related to MMA. Here's another amazing fight that uh, that we were treated to as the fans between Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. Uh, it, the stakes could not be any higher. The stakes were at an all-time high. Uh, all four titles on the line. The Ring Magazine title on the line. Ramirez walks in to the ring with an undefeated record, unblemished record of 26-0 with 17 knockouts. The WBC champion, the WBO champion, across the ring from him, Josh Taylor, representing Scotland, and he walks in with an unblemished record of 17 and 0 with 13 knockouts with the IBF, WBA and the Ring Magazine Championship around his shoulders and waist all titles on the line the unblemished records on the line somebody's o had to go we had a live crowd live attendance small at that nothing like the canelo event from a couple weeks back but it was still a live crowd a fully engaged crowd the eyes of the world the eyes of the media were all zoned in on this one fight this meaningful fight and we now have a sixth undisputed champion since the four belt era began and his name is josh Taylor. The Tartan Tornado outboxed, outpoints Jose Ramirez, drops him twice en route to a decision, uh, a decision win. Don't let that decision win hinder what actually happened in the fight. If you didn't get to catch this fight, we'll recap it here and then go back and watch it. It's all over the place now. They've been posting this thing, especially on YouTube. You got numerous links I have posted this fight now. Uh, if you got to watch it live, you were treated to a high-quality boxing match. The eyes of the world were here. The stakes couldn't have been any higher. Uh, high-quality boxing, high pedigree from both from both sides. And just like in the recap episode from a few days back, uh, the key to victory for me was Josh Taylor staying outside, boxing from the outside, and avoiding to engage force with force. Well, Josh Taylor happened to do both. He outboxed Jose Ramirez. He stayed on the outside. He used his feet. He used the ring and he started circling around the ring. Beautiful boxing, beautiful footwork. And when it was time to do so, he would land his punches in quick succession, tie up Ramirez and land inside punches as well. So he was beating Ramirez at his own game. And that's not saying that it's a one-sided fight. Ramirez took the fight to Taylor. The scorecards, if you were looking or listening to the commentators, you had Tim Bradley, you had Andre Ward, uh, legendary boxers at that, Andre Ward definitely, uh, Bradley will also be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, great, great boxer uh, in his own right. Uh, if you heard those scorecards, it was pretty one-sided. And they had Ramirez winning winning the fight, even though the initial rounds I had for Taylor. Uh, when at one point they had Ramirez up by one of the judges, um, unofficial judges at that, had him up four rounds to zero. Somebody else had him three rounds to one. Uh, I think this was starting the fifth round where I had him tied two to two. Uh, the knockdowns, 
came in quick succession. Awesome punch. Awesome punch near the corner by Josh Taylor. He ends up catching Ramirez right on the button, drops him uh, where he goes forward. Not quite face first on the mat. He was able to break the fall with his hands, but and I think his knees actually hit forward, but it's almost like a like a like his legs just gave out or or his his head at that it's just he just caved forward it was it looked like it was going to be a lot worse than it was he woke up he got up on on shaky legs uh as he stood up but he gathered himself he composed himself as the champ that he is and uh and the experienced boxer Ramirez is composed himself got himself back in the fight and nodding his head uh as he was looking at his corner uh looking to re-engage Taylor and in which he did uh then they get uh the second knockdown comes as they're tied up and that's where a little bit of the controversy happened. You had a little bit of drama, a little bit of controversy. You had the storyline, like we said. So the, this was the perfect fight if you had to see one and it had high quality boxing. It had drama. It had the storyline. It had the stakes. It had the fully engaged crowd, the eyes of the world on this fight. And, uh, and as the fight is developing, we get to the second knockdown where Ramirez is trying to get back into the fight and start taking control back uh, to, to his favor. Taylor catches him again as they're breaking away from a clinch. Ramirez briefly looks away. Taylor, very smart boxing, gets that uppercut right on the button, drops Ramirez a second time. That's where the controversy lied, where the Ramirez corner arguing that it was, it was while it, they were breaking from a clinch and it was an illegal punch. The referee shouldn't allow that or sure enough called that a, a knockdown. Uh, nonetheless, protect yourself at all times. And, uh, and that's the argument on the Taylor. Uh, I agree. It was Taylor was on point. Taylor was on point. There was nothing that, that was going to get away from him. Uh, I've already listen to a lot of the commentary. I usually take my time. I listen to see what it is that people are criticizing, what it is that people are walking away from before I end up sitting here and talking to you about it. I've already heard of criticisms that it was a cheap shot uh, on Taylor's behalf, that that knockdown shouldn't have counted, uh, that Ta that Ramirez was up on the cards, that the only reason he won was because of those knockdowns. Otherwise, it shouldn't have been a draw uh, or it should have been a draw because the end scorecards was a unanimous decision. All three judges saw it, 114-112. Maybe so on their behalf that the knockdowns were the difference maker. I don't know. But when I scored a fight, I also have it 114, 112. Did the knockdowns end up becoming the difference? Apparently so. But the diff where I saw the fight slipping away from Taylor and it, and it wasn't by, it wasn't because Ramirez was really uh, taking over momentum, but it's because Taylor took the rounds off. And even after a post-fight interview in the later rounds, he says that they, they brought that up to him, that he looked like he was taking a few rounds off and he, he argued against it. He said he was never trying, his intention was never to take rounds off, that he never felt like he took rounds off. And in the later rounds, as you're looking the 10th and the 11th, if you actually go watch and watch these rounds again, he does land punches in quick succession and would take 30 to 40 seconds off and then would come back and land another one or two punches and then take some more time off and the rounds would go that way. Meanwhile, Ramirez is pushing forward, missing a lot of punches, but also landing some body punches, pressing the action. So the eyes of the judges are being impressed by 
who's put, putting the action on, who's pressing the action, who's actually bringing the fight to the other, to which fighter is bringing the fight to the other. And, and Ramirez was doing that. He was winning those rounds by activity, by volume, even though Taylor was boxing. Uh, and he was, he was doing a good job at that, sustaining himself. If you think about it, he's the fighter inside the ring. Just put yourself in his shoes. You're outside. It's easy to to look at this and analyze it from the outside looking in. But when he's in there and he's been in a war that he's been already, that he's already been involved in, and he still has a short distance to go, he's breathing uh, excessively, excessively at a rapid rate or an excessive rapid rate, and he's he's agitated, he's tired, he's trying to concentrate, uh, trying to focus on the guy from not landing on, on, a, on his button and dropping him. So his head is elsewhere. So the fact that he's still mobilizing, he's still moving around that ring, he's still trying to land these punches or evade punches, he feels like he's fully engaged. So of course, in his eyes, he never took a single second off. And he's, he's right at that because Ramirez kept coming at him. So he kept evading and moving around the ring and boxing him and outpointing him. But Ramirez had the volume in those, in those later rounds. Even if he was missing punches, he had the volume. He had the output. And that's what was being impressionable to the judge's eyes and to the crowd at that. So it's, it's easy to pick apart a fight from the outside, from the fans perspective. But when they're in that ring, when you're in that ring and you're fully engaged, you don't feel like you're taking a single second off. And, and Taylor is right at that by having mentioned that that wasn't his intention to get on the bicycle and run. He was simply defending himself and boxing and outpointing Ramirez, uh, to, to his credit. Ramirez, an all out warrior, gets dropped twice. The second knockdown, that second knockdown with the uppercut looks like it affected his punching power. Uh, after that, no matter how hard he was throwing, it didn't look like it was hard enough. He landed some good punches on Taylor, especially along the ropes, overhand rights, overhand lefts uh, that he caught Taylor with, some uppercuts that he caught Taylor with, uh, and it looks like they were dazed briefly dazed Taylor, but nothing excessive to where he would lose his legs or where he would lose his composure. Uh, Taylor would immediately get back on his bike and, uh, and mobilize and get back into control and get back into swinging and getting shifting momentum back in his favor. Ramirez, uh, tough chin, tough chin, uh, tough metal. He showed everything. He showed his colors. He showed why he was the champ. He showed why he was a unified champ at that, why he was undefeated up to this point. And he has no reason to hang his head. It was a tight, it was a close, tight fight. The scores showed it, but the judges got the right winner. The right person won. And we have the sixth ever undisputed champion since the four belt era began. Josh Taylor joins the likes of Bernard Hopkins, Jermaine Taylor, Alexander Yusek, Teofimo Lopez was the most recent uh, to do it, Terrence Crawford, the last person to do it in this very same division, the 140-pound division before he moved up to welterweight. Now he joins that company. Josh Taylor has entered the conversation of Hall of Fame, cemented himself into the Hall of Fame, uh, and now it's just body of work. He's 18-0 with 13 knockouts. Ramirez drops to 26-1 with his 17 knockouts. Still a stellar career. Josh Taylor has done the impossible. He said he was going to put uh, Ramirez out. 
he didn't, but he did drop him. Ramirez and, and the Garcia team felt that they were going to put Taylor away in the 10th round. They tried. They gave it their all. Ramirez left it all out there, but I honestly feel that the second knockdown took the wind uh, out of Ramirez's sails, took some of the strength and the punching power away from him, uh, away from his legs. He didn't have that, that, that strong foundation anymore, uh, after the seventh round to where he could land those knockout style punches that he, that he put Maurice Hooker away with or past opponents with. Amazing fight. It had a little bit of everything and high pedigree boxing at that. It, the winners were us. Aside from Josh Taylor, we as the fans, we are the winners. Congratulations to Scotland. Congratulations to Mexico, to the United States, to, uh, for, for providing and putting out such good product into the, into the Olympics. Um, as, as Oseramitas was, uh, Mexican American heritage from Avenal, Northern California. I mean, Ramirez has no reason to hang his head. I have no doubts that he's going to come back and get right back into title contention uh, or even get back within a fight or so to get back and challenge Josh Taylor should he stay in the 140 division and they get to sign this rematch. And if Ramirez chooses not to move up because of this loss, just to move up to welterweight immediately. Uh, there's already talks about Taylor uh, going after Crawford. Mikey Garcia, Robert Garcia's his brother, uh, the legendary Mikey Garcia. He wants a, he wants a piece of Josh Taylor and they had some words, uh, after the fight and they embrace each other and they come, they, they talk to one another. Mikey Garcia giving some interviews where he would be interested in taking on Josh Taylor. He's always looking for those big challenges. So it's there. Um, Teofimo Lopez looking to move up, right? Looking to move up and challenge Josh Taylor. Now Teofimo Lopez has his hands full. He has his hands full with George Cambozos, uh, and that's coming up in a few weeks' time where all belts will be on the line, and he's the mandatory. Uh, it's That's going to be coming live from, from Miami, I believe. So he's got his hands full. Before he starts thinking about Josh Taylor, he needs to focus, solely focus on George Cambozos. He's been out since the Lomachenko fight, so he needs to come back for Josh Taylor. Congratulations. Congratulations to Scotland, uh, to, to Scott's boxing. Um, he needs to take some rest, take a breather, relax, enjoy this moment. Hopefully he doesn't sit out as long as Delfimo Lopez has. Hopefully he doesn't just, uh, lose himself with this and he comes back an even stronger fight at 18 and 0, one of the youngest, uh, undisputed champs ever, uh, as far as record is concerned. Uh, 18 fights, 18 and 0. 13 knockouts, and he has all the titles in the 140-pound division. He has that throne and the crown in the 140-pound in the junior welterweight division. Congrats, Josh Taylor. You guys, uh, the other thing that happened in the uh, in the co-main event, uh, if you guys didn't pay attention to it, the co-main event was... Um, had the last year's one of the two parties that was involved in last year's fight of the year, which was Jose Cepeda, he fought Hank Lundy. He gets a decision, uh, outpoints Hank Lundy. Uh, I believe all the scores, if I remember correctly, were all 98-92 in a unanimous decision for Cepeda. He continues to look strong in that division. He's the number one ranked fighter in the WBC uh, and number one contender as far as the WBC is concerned. So he may very well be another future opponent for Josh Taylor should he defend those titles or at least the WBC title. So this 
the division is awesome. The division is awesome. Somebody that's about to enter it uh, in a few weeks' time is going to be Gervonta Davis from 130, moving all the way up to 140 to fight Barrios, who's got a version of the WBA title. That's going to be another interesting fight. Gervonta Davis enters a 140-pound division. Um, if Barrios doesn't defend his title, guess what? He's the newest champ there at that division, possibly the weakest opposition as far as uh, as far as they're considering him, as far as the Mayweather team's considering him. And Gervonta Davis landed that fight, so he'll be a three three division champ uh, by the if he if he's successful in defeating Barrios and, and taking the title from him. So he's going to be entering the junior welterweight division, and and good for him. His body dictates that. When we saw him against Leo Santa Cruz, he was way too big for Leo Santa Cruz. And I and I and I mentioned that in that episode where I, I actually encountered uh Gervonta Davis and Adrian Broner a while back during the uh and during the lead up to the Kovalev Canelo fight in Las Vegas. And Gervonta Davis looked wider, he had broader shoulders and looked thicker than Adrian Broner, and they were standing right next to each other, similar height. Uh and he just, he's a big body for him to be cutting all the way to 130. He's had weight cutting issues in the past. Gervonta Davis needs to fight at 140. And I have no doubts if he, if he ends up, uh, fighting as high as welterweight. He's a smaller body, kind of like an Andre Bertel, uh, or Adrian Broner, but he's got the punching power. And, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it transitions at 140, but I have no doubts that he's got the body, the strength to, to make it all the way up to, to welterweight, uh, should he choose to. Um, so I'm not getting too far away from the topic at hand. Jose Cepeda, the live dog on the co-main event. Uh, we'll see Ivan Baranchik soon in action, hopefully. And uh, that's a former foe of, um, of Josh Taylor. Jose Cepeda, former foe, uh, to Jose Ramirez. And now he's the number one contender in the WBC. So. Good luck to Jose Ramirez the rest of the way. Hopefully he bounces back strong and gets back in the ring quick. Hopefully we see Jose Ramirez again in 2021. And hopefully we see Josh Taylor again in 2021. It's barely May. We're ending May, but there's still six months left in the year. And I hope we see Josh Taylor towards the end of the year putting those lines, the, the belts on the line, or at least one of the titles on the line. It was It was an awesome event. Everything that you could have expected, everything that you could have asked for, this fight had it. And it's going to be one of the greats. Hopefully it's not one that's forgotten in, in time because the stakes were so high and, and everything was there. All the ingredients were there, uh, for this to be a great fight. And I'm happy that it did not disappoint. Uh, so amazing, amazing fight, uh, beyond excited for it. And I hope we keep seeing more, more of these style fights, uh, coming up. In a few days' time, we're going to have Devin Haney put his title on the line against Jorge Linares. And uh, the legendary Jorge Linares, he's a former champ, former uh, former champ and owner of this uh, this 135-pound division, and now looking to get a title again. Um, if he's successful, I mean, what a story for Jorge Linares. If Devin Haney is successful, on Twitter, I was sending him props uh, a month or so back when he was trying to land Lomachenko and Linares because he wasn't just talking about it. He did it. This is not just people calling each other out like the Ryan Garcia, Gervonta Davis, or Delfimo Lopez calling everybody else out or whatever. This, Devin Haney called out Lomachenko and Linares, and he landed one of the two. We're going to see Lomachenko in a few weeks' time also against um, the former opponent, Verdejo's former opponent, which was uh, Taka, Takagani. What, what was his name? Oh, man. That guy is a live dog. Who knows? Who knows how that's going to 
how that fight's gonna Nakatani, sorry, Tamakani, uh, Nakatani. So, so Masayoshi and Nakatani, that's gonna be June 26th. So that's in about a month's time, uh, where they face each other. So we still have a few weeks until we dive into that one. Meanwhile, this, this coming week, we're gonna see Devin Haney, Jorge Linares, and, uh, and the division continues. We, we see Shakur Stevenson. So he keeps, he keeps separating himself into the who's who uh, and cementing himself into a who's who in that 130 division. Lomachenko keeps campaigning at 135 with his Nakatani fight. Um, Linares, we may very well see Linares if he's successful against Devin Haney. That eliminates one of the upcoming dogs in Devin Haney. Jorge Linares getting himself back in there. Who knows? We may have a rematch against Lomachenko. Uh, you never know. Uh, this is... This this division has been hot for a while, the 135 pound division, and uh, especially when it culminated itself with Delfimo defeating Lomachenko, taking the king down. Then all of a sudden, all kinds, all kinds of live dogs came out into the picture, and everybody wants to take over this division. Uh, so it's it's an interesting one. 135 is interesting. 130 is pretty interesting with Jamel Herring and Oscar Valdez now. Shakur Stevenson uh, going for that vacant title. Uh, and then 140 now with Josh Taylor. There's the king. There's a king at 140 pounds. And what's he going to do? Is he going to put these titles and defend them? Or is he going to vacate and move up to welterweight and face Terrence Crawford? Or will Terrence come down and uh, and fight Josh Taylor for all those titles and become a two-time uh, undisputed champ at 140 pound. Uh, that would be, that would be amazing as well. So with that, I leave you, you could, you could tell the excitement in my voice. It, it was an awesome, awesome fight to me. Um, and I was looking forward to it. It lived up to the hype. And now we have even more boxing, high quality boxing, uh, in the, in the coming weeks. And, and with that, it looks like in the coming months, at that, right? Because with the big news, Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao, um, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, the trilogy looks like that will be happening. Canelo Alvarez, Caleb Plant looks like that will be happening. Nothing signed yet, but it looks like Canelo has given way to Caleb Plant's demand of $10 million. Looks like Canelo's team is like, who cares? No, no more excuses. You get what you want. Let's go for the last title. So, that looks like it's coming up. And, and then from there, everybody else trying to situate themselves in each one of these divisions as to who will be the next big dog for these, for these champs. So a lot of exciting stuff happening in boxing. Uh, we'll see what happens with Terrence Crawford. We'll see what the WBA decides to do now that Pacquiao and, and Errol Spence are fighting. We'll see what the WBA decides to do if, since Pacquiao was the champ in recess and they named your Denny Zugas, the super champ. Now it looks like on the websites, uh, if you log on, some of the websites have removed that title from your Denny Zugas. So we'll see if the WBA doesn't play anything dirty on Ugas, uh, because if Ugas keeps that super champion, the WBA title around his waist, uh, and the WBA honors that, then we could very likely have Terrence Crawford, or at least I'm hoping for Terrence Crawford and Ugas to unify. That would make, if Terrence Crawford is successful in that fight, or your Denny Zugas at that matter, you would have a two-belt unified champ in the welterweight division, and then we would just have to wait and see what happens with Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao. Whether Pacquiao takes those two titles from Errol Spence, or Spence retains those titles, and then we'll have another four-belt unification in the welterweight division, rightfully so, and the one that the dream match that everybody wants is Spence and Crawford uh, for that to happen in the welterweight division. A lot of good stuff happening in boxing, guys. But for now, 
take a breather. It was a great, and I'm going to take a breather myself. It was a great weekend, a great fight. It lived up to the hype. And I can't wait to see what Josh Taylor does now that he's he's sitting on the throne of the junior welterweight division. So I leave you all with that. Uh, stay stay tuned for the upcoming episodes this week. Uh, I'll put out a preview of Devin Haney, Jorge Linares here in a few days' time. And then one of the things that we got to do is talk about the UFC. We're gonna we're gonna dive into the UFC. The UFC is just pumping so many cards down your throat one weekend after the next after the next, and there's been so much stuff, so much movement in the UFC. Let's let's take a look at what they're doing. We'll dive into the PFL as well. They got some interesting stuff going on now that the 2021 season got underway, and uh, and we'll also touch base on on Bellator and even one championship had a had a, a historic moment happen uh, in their organization in the heavyweight division. So we'll we'll touch base uh, on all those uh, this week. We should be able to to put those episodes together for you. So stay tuned, keep an eye out for them, and uh, and I'll be I'll be having those episodes uh, headed your way in a few days time. Take care of yourselves. Have a good night. And thank you again for tuning in to the Tomatolita Show. Don't forget to find me on YouTube. I have a Jamel Herring interview up there from a few months back, uh, an interview with none other than Errol Spence when he was actually looking to go after your Denny Zugas and his his title so he could collect the third title. I have that episode up there as well in that interview. Uh, And then follow me. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow me on YouTube. Uh, Check out the catalog there since from the very first episode, they're all on there. Um, Where else? Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. I usually put put up these posts and then you can link up to, to the podcast from there as well. And then Twitter, you want to send me a shout out, find me on Twitter, Tomatolito Show. I'm here to serve you. I'm here for you. Thank you guys for tuning in time. And again, have a good night. Take care.